Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mitty's Witties. Okay, we are going to talk about the second week in June. It's going to be a packed week. We've got quite a few things. I have quite a few things on my list to talk about. It's been a really good um, week considering everything we have going on. It is showtime in our house. And for those of you who do not understand what that means where my girls dance instead of a dance recital it is called showtime it is not your typical dance recital it is much more like a um um like a like a broadway production actually it's they put a lot of time and work so that is going to be this weekend saturday from they'll be there from eight o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night on saturday and sunday so very, very, very busy days in this uh, household. So I'm going to try to get through the news as fast as we can and get this out to you. I hope that everybody is having a wonderful week and has a wonderful, restful weekend. Rest some for us because we aren't going to get much of that. <laughs> Let's jump right into it. First up. The Supreme Court rules against immigrants seeking green cards. You know, I'm going to follow along to the Just the News article on this matter. This Just the News article was called Supreme Court Rules No Green Cards for Illegal Immigrants with Temporary Protective Status. The Supreme Court unanimously decided on Monday that immigrants who have temporary protective status cannot apply for green card to become permanent residents if they entered the country illegally. The decision affects an estimated 320,000 foreign nationals now living in the U.S. who are protected by TPS. The program gives foreign nationals the privilege to stay in the U.S. legally if they are unable to return to their home country due to war, civil unrest, or a natural disaster, according to ABC News. The TPS program gives foreign nationals non-immigrant status, but it does not admit them. So the conferral of TPS does not make an unlawful entrant eligible for a green card. Justice Elena Kagan wrote for the court opinion, according to the Associated Press. The case was brought to court by Jose Santos Sanchez, an immigrant from El Salvador who entered the United States illegally in 1993. Sanchez was granted TPS in 2001 and attempted to apply for a green card in 2014, was, but was deemed ineligible due to illegally entering the country. The decision does not affect immigrants who entered the country legally or those who overstayed their visas from attempting to procure green cards, with Kagan arguing those individuals entered the country legally. Now, I want to make that, that is an important point. This ruling affects people who came here illegally. They did something wrong to enter this country. So if I would do something wrong, something illegal, I would face consequences for that. There are consequences doing things illegally. That's why we have a set of rules, because we are supposed to follow the rules. You cannot just have pure chaos. We've talked about that. How many times? I am all for 
bringing the right kinds of people here and giving them a second chance of life. But there is a legal process to do that. And yes, that system does need an overhaul. But having a system that needs work is not a reason to just say it's okay to do something illegal. It isn't. It just isn't. So, you know, we had we had our vice president. Yeah, yeah, it still pains me to say that we had our vice president um, doing a trip um, down to Guatemala to Mexico. You know, she won't go to our border. You know, they want they but they send her on this trip. She goes on this trip. They didn't want numbers to come out while she was on on the trip. We're going to get into the numbers in just a second. But it is important to note that while she was in Guatemala, the Guatemalan president spelled it out. <laughs> he said it's the Biden administration's fault. The border crisis is the Biden administration's fault. And she completely ignored that he said that and said it was climate change. <laughs> climate change. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me read a quote. We asked the United States government to send more of a clear message to prevent more people from leaving. When Biden took office, quote, the message changed to, we're going to reunite families. We're going to reunite children, he said. The very next day, the Coyotes were here organizing groups of children to take them to the United States. They own this problem. This is a result of their actions. They don't want to own the problem, and Kamala is upset that she had to go, and this was what she was dealt. There's a, um, there is a peeing match going on right now. Start paying attention. There is tension between the vice president and the first lady. Okay. The first lady is, you know, touting that she went to this G7. She took a picture of herself sitting at the president at, at the desk on Air Force Run behind the president's desk, going through <laughs> the documents for G7, making notes when was she elected? When was she elected? She was touting, look where I am and look where you got sent. I'm telling you, there is some stuff going on behind the scenes. It's kind of crazy. It's like catty, 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 catty stuff. So they couldn't announce the numbers while Kamala was on her little trip, but the numbers have come across in after hours news dump. The border crossings remain at a 21-year high. More than 180,000 illegal immigrants came in May. In one month, 180,000 people. <sighs> they tried to bury it. They, they released it um, after hours while Biden is in the United Kingdom. And, you know, it's just crazy. But according to CBP, 100, over 180, those are the ones we know about. How crazy is that? 
you know, let's, um, I want you to listen to an ad by Congresswoman Laura, Laura, listen, where am I going? Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. I'm Lauren Boebert, and I travel down to McAllen, Texas, to the Rio Grande Valley sector to see what's up at our southern border. So here's what's up at the border. Illegal aliens crossing the border, that's up. Sex offenders crossing the border, that's up. Drug trafficking, gun smuggling, human smuggling, that's up. Unaccompanied children being sent on this journey alone, and even worse, given over to the cartel, that is way, way up. You know what's not up at the southern border? Respect for law and order, funding for our border patrol, and where is the media to cover this crisis? More than 70 days ago, Biden named Cackling Kamala as border czar, but she hasn't done a single thing to protect the American people. She hasn't even been down here to see the border or the tens of thousands of children wrapped in aluminum foil. You can't just hear about what's happening. You have to come down here to see for yourself, to really understand the devastating reality at our southern border. So I brought Kamala down to see exactly what this regime is responsible for with their man-made crisis. Now, Kamala, I want you to stand here and look at what you've done. I know that you cannot see that she brought this life-sized printout. Um, I don't know. It was not like one of those things that you put on the wall. It's it's literally a cutout of her that has a stake <clears throat> and she staked it in the ground looking out at what she had done. If you get a chance, it is worth it to look up the commercial and watch it. There, there's a really good commercial. And this, this is what we are going to have to do if we are going to win again. If we are going to to make any kind of dent in this, the conservatives are, you know, I'm done saying the word Republican. I'm done. The conservatives that are America first, that are serious about wanting to fix these things, they are going to have to pinpoint these problems and do commercials touching, hitting, serious, <clears throat> truthful commercials just like this to get the point across. I look forward to seeing many, many, many more of them if they have the guts to do it. Next up, Rand Paul. Another example of what is going to have to be done. You are going to have to say the same thing over and over again. You are going to have to make people uncomfortable. You are going to have to say things and remind people of things that are just flat out that it just, they were wrong. They were wrong. On that note, Cleveland Clinic, a Cleveland Clinic study of 52,238 employees show unvaccinated people who have had COVID-19 have no difference in reinfection rate than people who have had COVID-19 and who took the vaccine. 
This information frees up millions of doses of vaccines for those yet not yet infected in places with vaccine shortages like India. Well, you know my opinion, send them all wherever they want them. We should not be taking this. But the immune response to natural infection is highly likely to provide protective immunity against the SARS-CoV-2 variants. Thus, recovered COVID-19 patients are likely to better defend themselves against the variants than persons who have not been infected but have been immunized with spike-containing vaccines only. I have said this before. I have said it until I'm blue in the face. He has said it before, said it until he was blue in the face. You know, everybody calls him a whatever they want to call him. But you, if you have had COVID, you do not need to take the risk with these vaccines. You just don't need to do it. You have a natural immunity. And now we have studies that are going to highlight that, again, Senator Rand Paul was correct. Again, people who follow the science were correct. You can go to his Twitter feed and you can get the actual um, study that was done. It's uh, news-medical.net study. But once again, Rand Paul is on it. And while we are talking about COVID, I do, you know, the CDC Advisory Committee on Immunization finds a higher number of observed than expected myocarditis, pericarditis, heart inflammation cases in 16 to 24-year-olds 30 days after receiving either the Pfizer or Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. They're making a big mistake. They are making a big mistake by pushing to vaccinate these young kids. I, if you, I'm, I, I beg of you, read, 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 become informed. In this situation, you're going to have to, I had, you know, I, I stood up against my doctor. You might have to stand up against your pediatrician, you know. I stand by the fact we should not be vaccinating young, healthy, I would argue under 35 or 40, um, but definitely not 12 and up. And they want to go even lower. They want to go even lower and look at the problems between the 16 and 24 year olds that they are doing. They are calling a special a special meeting to to go over this. In my opinion, they should halt it, halt it until you know what is going on and how you can advise. They they are pushing this, pushing it, pushing it. I say resist it, resist it, resist it. Another one bites the dust. Another story that they pushed and pushed and pushed bit the dust. A huge lie that incited violence and radicalized tens of thousands of people last year turns out to be just one more fraud. And any and all in the media who, who claim this should, should be held accountable. They won't be, but boy, they should be. 
even the USA Today had to cover the fact that, and I'm going to go on, <laughs> the dumb alarm, USA Today, police did not clear protesters from Lafayette Park per Trump photo op inspector general fines. An internal government investigation found the decision to forcefully clear radical justice protesters from Lafayette Park last summer was not influenced by then-President Donald Trump's plan to stage a Bible-toting photo opportunity at that spot. A government report concludes that federal police did not clear protesters from Lafayette Park near the White House last summer, so then President Donald Trump could walk to a nearby church. The report released Wednesday by Interior Department Inspector General says U.S. Park Police and the United States Secret Service determined it was necessary to remove protesters from the area in and around the park last June 1st, so contractors could install security fencing. Remember, they were trying to burn down a church. That's what everybody should have been focused on. And they were trying to get contractors in there to build a fence so that that church could be protected while they did what they needed to do. They said this. This is nothing new. However, the inspector general looked into it and he is now saying, yes, this was not a part of some photo op. It wasn't. Oh, federal police didn't learn of Trump's plan to walk through the park and examine damage from a fire at St. John's Episcopal Church until mid to late afternoon, hours after they had begun planning for the security fencing and the contractor had arrived in the park. The evidence we obtained did not support a finding that the USPP cleared the park to allow the president to survey the damage and walk to St. John's Church. You know, what this shows is that they, they didn't communicate well. The different, the different um, organ, you know, the Secret Service, the U.S. Park Service, the Capitol Police Department, one wasn't aware what the other one was doing. But yes, by all means, we should let the government handle everything. Point being, point being that it was not done to clear them so that he could walk over there. It was completely separate. They have pushed this false narrative for how long? And they continue to get away with this stuff. I think we're going to find out so much more. I think the list that we are going to find out how wrong we were only starts here. There is some things coming out about um, January 6th. We are finding more and more and more that that was a setup. It will eventually get a story like this about that. I'm going to, I am going to, I'm going to double down on that one. Another one will bite the dust. We're just going to have to be patient. Do you want trouble? Now, I don't necessarily at this stage in life go looking for trouble. However, I do say all of the time that there are times that we have to 
we have to choose our battles wisely, but there are times when you do have to take on battles. This speech from the North Carolina, um, I believe it was their GOP convention for 2021, this lieutenant governor is going to be one to really pay attention to. And there are so many good up and comings. You know, everybody talks about, and trust me, I am very closely watching um, DeSantis out of Florida. There are very much people that I think are going to be good, that I think we can trust, that are really bold in what they believe. They're willing to take on the um, the evil that we're seeing in the world. And we're going to talk a little bit more about evil after this. But so many to, to, to watch and to, to really follow their careers. This lieutenant governor, let's add him to the list. Let's listen to just a little bit of his speech. It's been too much, too much sacrifice and service in our past for us to be the generation that says, well, you know, I don't want them to say something bad about me. I don't want them to call me a homophobe and a bigot. So I'm going to just keep my mouth closed because I don't want no trouble. Imagine where you would be if somebody else didn't want no trouble. Imagine where this nation would have been if the men at Bunker Hill didn't want no trouble. They want to just stay in the house and say, you know, I know the British are here to get our guns. Let them have them because I don't want no trouble. I just want to go out here and plant my farm and, you know, do my blacksmithing and, 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 and do my preaching. I don't want no trouble. I don't want no trouble. Let them have it. I don't want no trouble. Imagine what it would have been like when the, uh, when the Democrats, and yeah, I call them the Democrats, decided they were going to make their own nation because they didn't like our Constitution. Does that sound familiar to you? Imagine what it would have been like if Americans had said, well, no, I ain't going to do nothing about that because I don't want no trouble. I don't want them saying I'm a, you know, that I'm a Negro lover and I don't want nobody saying nothing about me. Imagine if the men at Gettysburg hadn't been there and Fredericksburg hadn't been there. Imagine what would have happened, my God, if the Japanese had come here and bombed Pearl Harbor. If Americans had cowered and said, no, we can't go to war. Remember what happened the last time we go, went to war? We got all them letters on the doors and all them boys came home under flags and, and they were buried across the sea and never came back. We don't want no more trouble like that. Just let them have it. Let them have what they want to do. We got to deal with them. Not, no, we don't want no trouble. Imagine what would have happened if we had just watched the communists continue to take nation after nation and hadn't stood up in Korea because we didn't want any trouble. Hadn't stood up in Vietnam because we didn't want any trouble. Hadn't stood up during the Gulf War because we didn't want any trouble. And hadn't stood up after 9-11 because we didn't want any trouble. See, trouble is good. Trouble is good. Yeah, it is. It's good. Sometimes it's good to run dead into it. He is inspiring. His way of looking at it is a perspective that I think we need. Although, no, we don't want to be called any of those things. At some point, though, we have got to start sticking up 
for ourselves. We have got to stand firm. We have got to be able to say that right is right. Not wrong is right. And not bad is good. No. Good is good. Bad is bad. Evil is evil. This is what we need to be looking more closely at. We need to be looking for people who are willing to stand up, willing to say, this is how I feel. This is what is right. This is what I stand for. And I'm not going to apologize for it. I have nothing to apologize for. And I really hope that we get to see more from this lieutenant governor. Um, and man, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. Watch those texts. That's going to be the theme of this one. You know, the material on the Hunter Biden um, laptop, laptop is on so many levels questionable, you know, levels that you can't imagine, that I can't imagine, questionable. And nothing's going to be done. Nothing is going to be done about it. That's just the way, that's just pretty much, unfortunately, the way it is. They, they, as in, quite frankly, his family, you know, everybody talks about, oh, you know, how nice of a fam. No, no, no. You don't, you do not, no. They aren't nice. They are troubled on so many levels every single one of them, and I get really tired of hearing how much of a nice guy Joe Biden is, and how much of a nice, no, no. You don't have a son that is this troubled and put them in positions to fail like they have him over and over and over again. Sorry, that's not a nice guy. Remember what we said? We're not going to say anymore that bad things are good. No. Bad is bad. Let's um let's get into this just a little bit here. You know, the text message uh, exchange between him and his attorney is crazy. It's just crazy. I'm just going to read you some of it, um, and they're going to focus on another part of it. I'm going to focus on the part that I um, I find the worst. It's all bad, but there are different levels of bad. So he asked his attorney, how much money do I owe you? Because N-word, you better not be charging me Hennessy rates. I guess that means expensive. I, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm out of touch or not. What do they call it? I'm not hip or <laughs> the word that I'm looking for. Is it has left me now, but the attorney answers back and says that made me snarf my coffee. Coffee, Hunter. I just made that phrase up, by the way. I 
should have had your lineage. The attorney says, clever son of a gun. Hunter, it's wasted on you. Attorney, apparently you do. Hunter, that's what I'm saying, N-word. He sends him a picture, apparently accidentally. The attorney says, why are you so tan? Hunter, I'm sorry for sexting you accidentally. That was meant for another friend named Georgia. Okay. All right. So I know everybody, everyone is focused on the race, the racial parts of the text, which this is just the most recent thing extracted from the hard drive. I assure you there is much, much more. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. It will slowly leak out as more people are willing to cover it and review it. So, yes, that part of the, the texts are disturbing. There's something else disturbing. You know, they focus on that word. I'm going to let them do that. I listened to Chris Stigall, and he focused on a little bit of a different part of the text messages that we're going to get into. And that's the, that's the aspect of them that I want to talk about, too. Because it's, it is troubling on a more deeper level than just the fact that he's using that word that should not be used. Granted. But there, there's worse in here. So let's, let's continue. So Hunter then, you know, he's clearly messed up. He is clearly... He's clearly uh, lonely. He's clearly lost. He's clearly probably on something. So the conversation continues and Hunter says, where do you find unconditional love then, George? Where do you? And the attorney answers and he tries to do so sincerely. He does sincerely try to answer this. God loves unconditionally. Bo loves you unconditionally. Children." are too young to understand what it means, but you will show them. There are ideals of unconditional love that serve as proxies. I don't have many, you and God. Now, it's sad for the attorney, too. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel bad on so many levels here. So the attorney does really sincerely try to answer him. And really tried to help. And Hunter responds this way. OMG, N-word. Did you just... Did you just a fictional character from the imagination of the collective frightened? And my dead brother's unconditional love is what I should rely on? And my kids aren't children, George. So... The attorney tries to ignore him and get back to being sincere. And he responds and says, my parents' love was conditioned. So he's trying to be sincere. He's trying to say, you know, I have had problems too. My parents' love was conditioned. They put conditions on it. That's not unconditional. God is what gives you unconditional. And this is how Hunter responds. My penis, as of late, has been unconditional. And the attorney tries to get him 
tries to ignore it, first of all, and tries to, to move on and tries to get on with the sincerity of the, the, the response. And he says, that's why we are searching. So Hunter responds, for my penis. Now, he is hideous. He is juvenile. And the attorney still attempts to be sincere. And he says, and we will always be searching. So Hunter responds and he says, it's big penis, George. They always find it. And I only love you because you're black. So troubling. Obviously, he's a troubled person. So the the attorney finally kind of tells him how ridiculous he is. And he says, it's so annoying when you interject with frivolity. And Hunter says, true that, true that, N-word, but I'm done with my rant. The attorney again tries to be sincere, and Hunter is just troubled. He mocks religion. He refers to us only as looking to God because we are frightened. You know, it's sad for Hunter because it's it's quite the opposite, actually. When I was not as close and walking where I needed to be walking, I had the most fear. Now that I work every day to try to be try to study the way I'm supposed to study, even though I'm way off from that. But, you know, I walk a lot closer than I have ever walked in my life to where I need to be. Lots of work still to do. But I am not fearful now like I was. I have moments where I have times where the worst possible scenarios click in my mind of what can go wrong in a day. And I quickly recognize that and I quickly pray and I quickly try to, to get, listen, if you don't have a God to go to, to get those, that's overwhelming. That is fear. It is quite the opposite, Hunter, quite the opposite. It's sad. It's truly sad. And this is our first family, like it or not. We, I have said it before, I'm going to say it again, we are in a spiritual war from the very top in this country. We all sin. We all fall short. We are no better than Hunter Biden. So don't hold yourself as better. Please don't hold yourself as better than somebody that struggles like this. We all fall short. We have to all work to be better. We are up against dark forces, and we honestly don't even yet comprehend the dark forces that we are up against, I'm sure. And that leads us to our next story and how we're going to end for the day. Okay, so in that same line of thinking, that can be very discouraging. That can be when when you have that much of a troubled situation at the very top of leadership. And just as a human being, 
my heart goes out to people that are obviously that troubled, no matter who they are. That's, it's a very troubling, humbling, scary situation. We live in a very rough world. It is very hard to maneuver that. And life is not going to be easy. And I fear that we have, we have kids and teens and adults that do not know how to process difficult situations. They do not understand that life is hard. Life has challenges. They need to be able to attack those challenges head on. It will not be easy. There will be terrible, nasty days. But you have got to keep on going. You have got to work through it. And the more you work through things, the more you grow. And the more you become the person you are. And you can either, you can either be a, a, I heard this this week and it was good. You can either be a victim or a victor. Victor. And man, I don't want to be a victim. I don't want you to be a victim. I don't want your children to be a victim. I don't want anybody to feel like they're a victim. You are not the problems that you face. You, how you take them on, how you overcome them, that is who you are. You know, I just think we have got to teach more problem solving. We have got to let people fail. We have to let people fail. We have to, to, to show them that they're stronger than they think they are. And it, it's just so hard to watch people not have that life skill, not have that. And I know we want to keep people from failing if, if we can, but we, we can't always. And we have to know how to overcome that. We really, really, really do. But before I get off on another tangent, let me get back on track. So there is a, there's an article in The Blaze. And yes, Andrew, I'm referring to The Blaze. I actually didn't even know that one of the people that I follow very closely, Allie Beth Stuckey, she is from The Blaze. I didn't even realize that. So I use the blaze more than more, more than um, more than I had planned on it. There are, there are a lot of good people there. Phil Robertson is another one. Uh, the Unashamed podcast. Of course, Allie Beth Stuckey. You'd, I'm not a fan of Glenn Beck's. I know he has his moments. Andrew is probably rolling his eyes right now. But anyway, this article is from The Blaze, and I'm glad that I heard about the article. I'm glad that um, I've read it, and I want to share the article with you. The article is called Faith Conquers Fear, Powers the American Dream, and Fuels My Blaze Media Project. In the absence of religious faith, Fear reigns and freedom recedes. Disconcerning the origin of the current fear based American social climate is not difficult. Don't blame scientists in China 
for releasing the angst virus assaulting traditional American liberties blamed the tech engineers operating in Silicon Valley laboratories. They invented the social media apps that amplify fear and empower cancel culture, the nuclear weapons dislodging America from its Judeo-Christian values. Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and Twitter's Jack Dorsey are Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Douglas S. MacArthur, ending America's 60-year culture war with an unparalleled bombing campaign. What started with President Lyndon Johnson's Great Society initiative is closing with repression of speech, corporate media propaganda, and an evisceration of America's Judeo-Christian ethos. Facebook and Twitter finished the mission of turning America secular, godless, and shamelessly immoral. The apps allegedly intended to bring us together have torn us apart. We should not be surprised. The apps urge self-worship, celebrity worship, and consumerism, which led to hedonism, idolatry, and materialism. A secular society always produces chaos and division. Brandon is racist, Uncle Toms, coons, homophobes, transophobes, transphobes, hypocrites, and misogynists. American Christians fear publicly identifying themselves by their faith. They've placed their political identity and racial identity above their religious identity. They're conservatives or Republicans or nationalists, nationalists, both white and black, or libertarians or liberals or social justice activists or worse, Trump supporters or Trump resistors. They avoid saying the name that made John Brown and Frederick Douglass abolitionists compelled Thomas Jefferson to write that all men are created equal, comforted Union soldiers during the Civil War, and inspired Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream. They avoid directly referring to the name that made America's great in the first place, America great in the first place, the name that forced us to overcome our superficial differences and transform those differences into our greatest strength. He's been canceled, crucified by toxic secular culture that bullies his believers with threats to expose their sins on the Satan Con Valley social media platforms and or the Satan Con Valley catering corporate media outlets. Fear is the enemy of truth, freedom, and the American dream. I signed a contract to partner with Blaze Media on a digital media project dedicated to pushing back against the corporate-supported systematic effort to undermine America through racial division and fear. I joined Blaze Media because I wanted to partner with people who wouldn't look at me funny when I referred to Jesus as a part of my journalistic worldview and platform. I joined Blaze Media because Glenn Beck smiled when I said Jesus is the only solution for what ails America, because Steve Dace wears his faith publicly, and so do Phil Robertson, 
Ali Beth Stuckey, and others. I am not a sports journalist turned preacher. I'm not a finger-wagging hypocrite looking down on the people who don't share my beliefs. I'm a sinner. I'm the same guy who wrote hilarious P-word galore columns for Fox, Fox Sports. The same guy who used to waste his time and money drinking and I don't even know that word, inside the Spearmint Rhino in the Las Vegas Tootsie in Miami, Diamond Joe's in Kansas City, and Magic City in Atlanta. I'm someone who knows that in order for me to make better decisions in all aspects of my life, I need Jesus. I'm someone who recognizes that any success I've achieved in a 30-year career is a byproduct of the values my grandmother, a tiny church in Indianapolis, my parents, and my siblings instilled in me as a young boy. My testimony is amazing. It's further evidence of the power of faith and the availability of the American dream. My brand and approach to journalism and broadcasting are fearless. My courage is rooted in faith. Fear is destroying America. It locked us down in our homes, forced us to cover our faces, and forbade us to worship together for more than a year. It stole freedoms we took for granted. It allowed Colin Kaepernick to polarize our national anthem. It turned rare incidents of deadly police misconduct into a fictional genocidal pandemic. It spawned race hoaxes and a generation of race-baiting grifters. It's diminished sports' ability to unify. That's why we're launching the Fearless platform, which will start with my show, Fearless, with Jason Whitlock, and a second podcast showcasing my friendship with my right-hand man, Uncle Jimmy Dodds, and will eventually include a Fearless writing vertical. We're going to fight back, we're going to be the abolitionists of fear. From my new hometown of Nashville, Tennessee, we're joining hands with Beck, Dace, Robertson, Mark Levin, Steve, Stephen Crowder, Dave Rubin, Ali Beth Stuckey, and the rest of Lay's media to stand as an example of what Americans can accomplish when we put our differences aside and work together. On the surface, Fearless will look a little different from the rest of the Blaze media family, but our love of country will be just as strong. Our appreciation for this nation's founding documents just as sincere, and our search for liberating truths just as intense. The 400-year African-American journey is this nation's most compelling and powerful narrative. It's proof the American dream is real and attainable. That's why our adversaries abroad and within are perverting, manipulating, and weaponizing the African-American narrative. Black Americans' fight, fight for freedom made the United States live up to the ideals espoused in the Declaration of Independence. The equality of man and unalienable rights bestowed by our Creator our relentless pursuit of freedom was the iron that sharpened American iron. 
The Chinese Communist Party knows this. The revolutionaries in Satan Khan Valley know this. The editors at the New York Times know this. The trained, self-described Marxists who founded Black Lives Matter know this. In order to destroy America, you must cripple belief in the rags-to-riches American dream and the conviction that America is a force for good. Reshaping the African-American narrative into a journey that damns this nation rather than one that illuminates our unprecedented resolve to do better hastens our decline. The Black journey fueled American exceptionalism. The elite architects of chaos cleverly and covertly attack this obvious truth. Black Twitter is not an organic construct. It's a social media algorithm designed to paint any truth-speaking public figure as a racist or a race traitor. The New York Times 1619 Project isn't journalism. It's the companion of academia's virus, critical race theory, propaganda designed to foster racial animus, and erode Black patriotism. Black Lives Matter isn't concerned with the welfare of Black men. It's a fundraising arm of the Democratic Party and a lobbyist for the LGBTQ agenda. The racial conflict, ELM, Antifa, and social media influencers promote smoke screens, a far more insidious plot. The plot to cancel Jesus and impose a cultural Marxism on the United States. Global elites prefer China's system of authoritarian governance and worker exploitation. Backers of the Great Reset and Build Back Better prefer that America function the way China does. Jesus and communism cannot coexist. Karl Marx the father of Marxism and the proponent of communism explained that in his political theory. The racial smokescreen is working. We're losing the Fox race war and the surrendering of freedoms that made America the enemy, the envy of the world. We're losing because we've sidelined our best soldier, Jesus. The original combatants of the Civil War drew on Jesus as their primary power source. Have you ever studied the lyrics of the Battle Hymn of the Republic? Here's my favorite passage. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Julia Ward Howe, a white abolitionist, wrote those words in 1861. The words spurred men to sacrifice their lives for the freedom of others. Mine eyes have seen the glory of what Americans can accomplish when we come together as one nation under God. When we conquer our fears, your sin does not nullify your Christianity. It justifies it. Let go of that fear. 
your sins, no matter what they are, do not prohibit you from speaking truth, standing on biblical principles, and being heard. The enemies of truth, the elites rewriting history and redefining American freedoms are not silent or scared. Their immorality and sin emboldens them. Our sin silences us. Not anymore. Not if I can help it. The mission statement of the Fearless Project is simple. We're a digital media platform dedicated to promoting a culture of fearlessness, free speech, truth-seeking, and American patriotism. We will accomplish our mission by critiquing, lampooning, and probing the events shaping conversations around sports, race, and popular culture. You will not have to believe what I believe to enjoy and benefit from fearless. That's the gift of a Judeo-Christian culture. It works to ensure that non-believers receive the same opportunity to pursue their dreams as everyone else. Man, I have to tell you, I am looking forward to not being silenced by my sin. I am looking forward to letting go of that fear and knowing that our sins, no matter what they are, do not prohibit us from speaking the truth and from standing on those principles and being heard. Man, I am looking forward to joining Fearless, and I hope that you are too. I am going to end it on that very inspiring note. I hope that you will be fearless.